Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. It's February 19th, 2021, and this is This Week in XR with my co-host, Ted Chilowitz, and our guest host today, Kathy Hackle. Thank you for jumping in with us, Kathy. Always great to see you. I'm so excited to be here. Can't wait. So it was, I thought it was kind of a slow news week, you know, and, and on this week in XR, we kind of take what the week gives us and then we go. But this week was kind of a slow news week until I started talking to Kathy before the show. So Kathy, take it away. <laughs> you know what I will say, because I've been more and more working at the intersection of AR, XR, Metaverse and virtual fashion and non-fungible tokens, which is should be a whole other show. But there's so much happening in that space right now. It's every day is like a bull run. It's it's crazy. So fashion week, right? Yeah, fashion week. I mean, London Fashion Week, like all the stuff that's happening right now around fashion and you know, digital fashion, which is a component, right, of XR and the future metaverse. And you have the whole try-on aspect. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's several things to wrap our heads around. Uh, so you've got Genies. Genies did a drop with Mesut Ozil, which is, he's a soccer player and he was changing teams. So they parted with him on this new chapter. He announced it, I think it was on Instagram or Twitter, um, that because of this new chapter he was celebrating, he was releasing six rare limited digital goods. Um, there was some sneakers and like a uniform, like there were six of these and they sold, I don't even know how many minutes, but for $500,000. Amazing, you know, and a it's lot of Ethereum millionaires out there burning <laughs> a hole in their pocket. Yep. So, you know, that one's I, I find Genies to be this really interesting metaverse company. Um, you know, their CEO is fantastic, very young company. They're hiring talent from, you know, from Pixar and from DreamWorks and from, you know, lots of uh, interesting folks. So I'm, I'm sure, Ted, I'm sure you, you've heard a lot about Genies, you know, around the, your industry, right? Yes. Well, you know, the idea of, of digital goods, interestingly enough, is actually not a new thing, right? Um, but the digital, the advancement of the digital layer is starting to make it become more real and more believable to things. I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine uh, just yesterday. When, when you refer to the canvas, right, of like, when you, when a, when a painter, a, a fine artist, a sculptor makes something, um, they, they would make it on whatever their canvas of that era of that time is, right? And today we have a digital canvas. And as that canvas becomes more real and more fungible to your point, right? It, it actually holds real value uh, and you can associate real value to it. So uh, if, if any of you, you know, lived in the, the ages of a, of a game that's still very popular underground, but popular called Star Citizen. People would buy goods inside Star Citizen uh, and own them. And there was a story of someone that bought a, a spacecraft in Star Citizen that was in the like $20,000 range and they owned that asset that's many years ago, right? Today, you're just seeing a duplication of this in, in all kinds of ways. And as a generation of, of children moving into teenagers, moving into adults, um, live in these virtual worlds. Those worlds are real to them. So Fortnite is a real place to them. It's not just where they go play games. They also see concerts. They also socialize. And the idea of, you know, like owning skins may be very odd to people that don't understand that. But if it feels real, then it is real. Just like if you're going to buy fashion, well, that's just a metaphor. I mean, it's not, you know, it wasn't, you didn't just dig it out from the earth. Someone made it. 
and put it on your canvas, your physical body. And then we could say that has tremendous value now, right? And it can drive value and it can be something. We're just in an age where that digital layer well, is becoming so powerful. You can't get the idea. Down, once you go down the rabbit hole, now you get into buying and selling digital land. Oh yeah. Right, so there's, you know, this has been going on on Second Life for 20 years. They're registered as a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, now there isn't that strong of an economy in many of the other metaverses. It tends to be one way you buy something from the company, mm-hmm. but there are exceptions. There's Somnium Space, which mm-hmm. is for PCs uh, and PC-based VR, where you know they're selling land for you know tens of thousands of dollars, and people are paying architects oh. and houses, and they're putting all those digital goods that are one of a kind into those houses in places like Somnium Space. Well, uh, just last week, Charlie, due out to that, Axie Infinity, uh, there was the biggest real estate, virtual real estate deal to, to date, 1.5 million. On which platform? Axie Infinity. So, I mean, 1.5 million, that's a pretty good virtual real estate deal if you yeah, ask me, right? Well, and, you know, I've never even heard of them. And, and this, this metaphor has been going on for millennia, right? Like you could, you would talk to certain cultures, Native American in the U.S., and their understanding of land ownership in in the physical space was an impossible concept to them. No one owns the land. The land is the land. We live on the land, right? And the idea of land ownership. This is just a modern metaphor for once things become important enough. Currency is the same way, right? Currency is just a representation of something. It's not actually real, right? Credit cards are not actually real things they are just because we all believe in the same thing we associate value to it and now of course cybersecurity and and with the run of bitcoin the value of arguably what it is today is no less than when it was less than zero except that it is because everyone buys into it and when elon musk says i'm putting a billion five into bitcoin um another friend sent me this this great sort of moment because there's a lot of debate about this like why should this car company become like entering in the securities market for this thing? And someone said, well, like, here's a really interesting sort of perspective on that. In the profit of every car that Tesla has sold to date, you think about, you know, Tesla's stock run and, and where, and they're, they're in their mind's eye, what people know about Tesla. It's around $720 million in profit. In the last three days, Elon and Tesla Incorporated have made more than $720 million in profit from buying that equity, that artificial currency, and owning it for a few days. So, yeah. right? Yeah, that's why I think the world of, I feel like the world of XR and the world of NFTs, like non-fungible tokens, is kind of, we're getting closer and closer together. I mean, there's already lots of conversations happening, but I feel like it's slowly like really starting to melt when, when we think metaverse and we think digital goods and ownership and provenance and, you know, so so definitely, you know, uh, an interesting interesting thing to think there. So. There, are, there are a lot of competing platforms, of course, that want to be yeah. the metaverse. The one who's farthest along is obviously Oculus because they have it tied to their hardware and tied to a store. Um, you know, you're not buying digital goods, but, uh, you know, it's just like, um, you know, in uh, Fortnite, where you're in this kind of walled garden, Minecraft, Roblox, all sort of walled gardens, uh, VR chat, kind of a walled garden, we can't go across them and bring our goods with us. 
or our avatar or any kind of currency, right? The currency is always converted into dollars with the exception of somnium space, which is built on the Ethereum blockchain, mm -hmm. right? That was always Philip Rosedale's premise that yeah. you have to start a blockchain identity for each avatar right. so that somebody knows you're you, even if you're dressed up as a giant gorilla or whatever you're wearing that day or a fish, it's the system still knows that it's you and you can go from place to place from Roblox to, yeah. um, you know, to, you know, some kind of VR chat and, you know, whether your avatar changes that essence, that blockchain is still you. So you could transact in every environment in every environment. You can be found from other environments so that, uh, you know, to use an alt space metaphor, if you wanted to go to me and I was in alt space and you were in Roblox, you would be able to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, that's really what we're missing is that piece that takes us across and i do think it is going to be related to blockchain um, oh yeah or a technology that is substantially similar to that so that you know because nothing stops people in vr from stealing your appearance mm -hmm. and so you have to create a system where appearance is not identity mm -hmm. yeah that's that's right i think i agree with you i think um you know whether it's ethereum building on ethereum erc20s and all that all the nft stuff we're building on uh, other blockchains like Flow from Dapper Labs and kind of what they're doing with the NBA and Top Shot. I mean, amazing work. I mean, the, the money, like things are just selling. I don't even know. It, you know, the whole thing. The whole crazy thing, to wrap your hand around. As so, much as, you know, there are these big uh, transactions that get publicized, it's the everyday transactions and the micro transactions that would make that economy work. Because if you have very low friction, like it costs 25 cents to go someplace, people won't even think about it, right? You want to go see Travis Scott in Fortnite, it's 25 cents, right? But if they had charged 25 cents, you know, they would have made $20 million. You know, so, uh, you know, I think the micro, you know, this idea that there is no physical goods, that it's atoms, you know, really changes everything. And I, I would posit that anything made of atoms today is at high risk um, as, as a business, right? Because it's not scalable. The idea today is not to sell, you know, a million of something, it's to sell 20 million of something because there's no barrier to getting it to people so you can keep the price low. It's the same thing we see happening at concerts, okay? At, at conferences, the cost has gone down, like from, $900 to $29, but they have hundreds of thousands of people, more people who attend. Is it as good as the real? No, it is not, but it is open uh, to people who couldn't have otherwise afforded it. And so there's an argument there to be made that, you know, that in-person thing was for elites whose companies could afford to put them together. You know, it wasn't for people trying to learn and people trying to network their way into an industry. And, and as these devices and the way we use them become more real to us, become more embedded in our visual brain cortex system that accepts reality, the, this last year, as, as everybody on the planet, you know, the three of us and many others that have been deep in tech for a long time, we're already in this digital sort of world, this digital metaphor that I like to talk about a lot. So our brains were already sort of mushy because of it, but now, the, the global society has become very mushy with the idea of video chat as a main form of communication, right? It is no longer an alternate form of communication or an exotic form of communication. It is 
just as mainstream, in fact, maybe more mainstream now than a traditional analog audio phone call, right? So we have now built a digital understanding of people's identity because it's the only way we can see them now, right? And that is an interesting perspective. And, and this now has become multi-generational as you talk about identity, right? We have identities that are associated with our email address or our Instagram account or our WhatsApp or our WeChat. And because our friends can find us that way and can link to us that way, that becomes real. That is, it's, 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 it starts out as an abstraction and then it blends into this, is it abstract or is it real? And then it actually is real because that's the way you find somebody. Just like as you would knock on their door in the real world and know that that's their house, their email address in our age, their Instagram account in our kids' age, their WeChat or WhatsApp or their Fortnite presence is how you knock on their door, right? And go, hey, come out and play. And as the world becomes this, all of these outcomes, as you're talking about with you know, fundable tokens and the way that we associate measured value. And then when you tie the magic of the, the blockchain, the pseudo unbreakable blockchain to associate true identity with that digital thing that's moving around the planet, we have definitely made a new world, right? That, that we all exist in every day now. And it's an exciting world. I mean, kids like their houses and adopt me and Roblox, like they care about that. Yes. That's exactly their signature. Um, and I, I don't want to make, you know, this whole episode about this. So I, I do want to leave everyone with a, a specific point of data is I think the latest statistic I read on the potential of the digital goods market, virtual digital goods, that's debatable what term we use, is 400 billion by 2025. I mean, no, that's wow. a rapidly, rapidly growing market. Mm -hmm. Even though 400 billion doesn't sound like so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a lot to me, but. <laughs> but I'd like to get a piece of it personally. Um, you know, not to take us back down the metaverse rabbit hole, which we're trying to. <laughs> Uh, but there was a product that was announced this week. I haven't used it yet, so this is not an endorsement. Um, and it's called Real World. And it's like Google Earth, um, except it's fungible and multiplayer. So instead of roving the Earth alone or crawling down Fifth Avenue by yourself, you can now do it with another person. And what's more, you can change the world. So it's a one-to-one -one copy of the real world, but you can do diminish it, you can augment it, uh, and you can change it the way you want. Presumably, um, you could even add uh, NPC characters to it. So it seems like there's a, a really interesting potential for it to be a kind of a metaverse, uh, and you could almost build off you know, world navigation off of it so that you literally could go into somebody's digital real estate you know, that they own. I mean, I think it's a standalone simulation. You know, if you change it inside your simulation, it doesn't change in anybody else's simulation. Right. Um, but still, the idea of it is kind of mind-blowing, right? Mm -hmm. You can see a spatial version of Google Earth where you could easily do that. So that you hold up your, you know, uh, camera and uh, you don't see the buildings that are across the street anchored with computer vision you see something else that has been changed. Mm. So, uh, you know, the, the possibilities, I, I do think this conversation about metaverses and different methods for creating them using both AR and our ability to scan the world. And, and as 
Niantic is doing, even crowdsource scanning the world, and then taking that one-to-one -one digital copy of the world and not just using it to place content geographically that can be discoverable, um, but also to use it for creating yet another metaverse with the real world as a metaphor. So I, I just think that, that we're going to be talking about this a lot. As VR develops, um, it is the natural conversation to have um, because everything else is just games, right? And so, get, I mean, yes, they're selling it as a game machine right now. But as we all know, that is not our primary activity using the headset. And so, although we're not a proxy for the majority of users today, um, when it starts, you know, I'm already seeing, I'm getting business clients who have been exposed because of their kids getting a quest at Christmas and them having an aha, maybe I can apply this to my work to solve problems. So, um, you know, I think that'll begin to accelerate the conversation around metaverses and, and possibly um, stimulate entrepreneurs to create that cross-platform solution that will respect the integrity of the individual metaverses while recognizing that an individual needs a common identity across them. So we'll, we'll see how fast that develops, but I think this real world thing is, is really exciting. It's a new idea, I think. And, um, you know, all we do is talk about ideas. So when a new one comes along, it's not that often that we all go, wow. Wow, yeah. I saw, I saw you tagged me on your post and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I, I really enjoyed watching that. Idea. So um, also um, in the news this week is um, Meow Wolf opening Omega Mart finally in Vegas. Uh, of course, it's socially distant. Uh, as a result, they sold out their first weekend. Um, you know, this is an interesting one because for those of you who haven't been following um, Meow Wolf, they are an artist collection collective in Santa Fe uh, turned into a location-based entertainment company, by which I mean they build places intended for entertainment. So Omega Mart is a fictional place. It's got a meta story, uh, you know, about the crazy company that owns it. It's got, you know, store quote-unquote employees who are actors. So they're seeking to fully immerse you, I would argue, in a kind of virtual reality. It's not the digital virtual reality with a headset. It's more like a... Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Disneyland kind of virtual reality. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, as I've said on the show before, my problem with location-based entertainment is that you have limited inventory. Again, it's atoms. And unlike a movie theater, you can't make up for low demand during the week because you have 300 seats every two hours to sell on the weekend. You know, VR has limited inventory. And if you take away... Now, I know there's going to be packed up demand and people will be fine for a while. Um, but when you take that away and we're back in the new normal, vaccinated, probably still walking around with masks when we're at a place like location-based entertainment. And I am going to bet you that 15 to 20% of the people who used to do it are going to be like, I have one at home. Wow, I don't know about sharing a headset with someone. Um, son, I don't want you to do that and share a headset with someone. And they only need about 10 or 15% of people to say that for their businesses to become untenable. Yeah. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see whether Omega Mart, which doesn't require you to touch anything or anyone, 
will will overcome that. There's no question, you know, they their their method of creating these places and using you know hundreds of artists like Brian Eno, you know, to come in and create this multi-sensory and multifaceted kind of um, entertainment place, which uses both low-tech tricks and and very high-tech ones. Um, together is extremely exciting, but I don't know if it's for this world or for the last world, but they have a better chance of, of making it because they don't make you put on, you know, like Sandbox, you know, I mean, I loved all those trackers that you put on, but, you know, they're sweaty. <laughs> you know, now they've got to clean box them. Um, I just, I just don't know. I just, it doesn't seem like enough people are going to want to do it now. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the perspective on how many people will do it, when will they do it, how will they do it, um, is certainly a, a valid perspective to talk about. But I think maybe the most important part of the, of the Meow Wolf journey for me is it is a journey and it has been very authentic for those that have been sort of somehow connected to that world, either just as someone who went to go to it in the original one in Santa Fe, uh, and as they start to expand, uh, you know, they have a few locations, but it is an Denver, extension. Denver is the next one. Yeah, Denver and then, and obviously Vegas is opening, but it's, it's an extension of this theme park culture that has lived for Ooh. many, many generations Ooh. and finds really important places in our society and our culture, yeah. a place for fantasy, a place mm -hmm. that is still tactile, that is still, you know, functional and, and it feels real in a way that putting a headset on and, and living inside a, a computer interface uh, is not. And, um, you know, I think you could argue the economics of scale and all that stuff, but there are important places for all these forms of entertainment that lead all kinds of different places, right? And I think, you know, Disney probably understood that best when he was making television and movies as his career and learned from the folks at Knott's Berry Farm that maybe there's something else I can play with mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how I entertain people. And up until this past year, the profit margin of Disney's physical theme parks was greater than all the other sum okay. of their parks. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what comes back when they you know, fully, fully reopen. Some of the parks are, are sort of opened now. Um, but Meow Wolf is an important part of our, our cultural, like our cultural fantasy heritage in the, in the yeah. years that they've been doing it. And I, I'm really excited to get back to Vegas because I've seen sort of their prototype stuff. in the Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's, it's certainly a one of a kind, uh, very entertaining. Um, the ticket's not that expensive. It reminds me a little bit of Banksy's Dismal, Dismal Land. <laughs> which, you know, I, I, one of my regrets in life is that I never got to Dismal Land. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it's Banksy's take on uh, theme park, which was also a kind of twisted virtual reality. <laughs> uh, I, I, anyway, I never heard anybody say a, a thing about Meow Wolf. Um, you know, the people involved with it are well-liked and seem very professional. I think they really have, you know, brought in some real money and some real entrepreneurs who are experienced with, with retail and operations and can help them um, you know, take, it's just, take it's just a place to refine your youth for a moment. Like it's a place to yeah. go and enjoy and sort of shed away real life for just a little while. And it's and an important. How many places make you say, "Wow"? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just so great. True. I think it's great. Anybody who has a chance to go to the original one in Santa Fe, I would encourage yes. it. Yeah. Yes. So um, you know that brings us to the end of our show again. Uh, it went by very quickly, Kathy. 
uh, I love having you. You're, we're going to keep making you come back. Yeah. You always happy to come back, Charlie. And Ted, great conversation as always. Absolutely. Nice Thanks, to see everybody. You all, we'll see you next week. Sounds good.